0: Further ado, I will have my first guest introduce herself. Go ahead, Melanie. (laughs) Hello,
1: my name is Melanie Brooke.
0: Thanks so much for being here. So, for those of you who don't know, Melanie is my partner/slash fiancé, even though we don't like using that word. Um...
1: Sometimes I like using it. Do you? I don't know. Usually not, but in certain situations, it's satisfying.
0: Yeah. I feel like I have to change that word depending on who I'm talking to. Do you know what I mean? Like It's like
1: code switching. Right.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. I I wanted you to be my first guest. Number one, because it was the easiest. Oh, I see. Um, But also... I know we've had a lot of conversations about mental health between our respective struggles. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I, I would love to start off just by uh, hearing a little bit about when you uh, first started thinking about the concept of mental health or maybe just your own mental health in general because I I feel like there's a point where we don't really, we we kind of realize that like it's a thing in our lives, right? Like we go, we kind of live through childhood, and yeah, we have emotions and everything, but we don't actually think of that as mental health. We just kind of like experience sadness and happiness and and right. so on.
1: Right. Yeah. Um. I think the first time I became aware of it. And other people I mean I would come to the city a lot and see quote-unquote like crazy people on the street but never thought anything more than just like oh I guess there's crazy people in the world and that's not something that I could ever be those are like creatures of some sort that I I didn't think further than just like oh it's crazy man Um, it was like very other for you it was very other very other So I think the first time I really thought about it was when, I think I was in my early, or I think around 12, is when my grandma got diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, And I remember my mom trying to explain it to us, just being like, she's losing her memory, she's not going to be the same. Grandma that you remember and I was just very confused very Mm. very confused Um, And then I saw the progression through the years of the disease and it definitely freaked me out, but I still Didn't understand what was going on. I definitely saw her changing and I think it impacted me and made me Scared but I didn't ask many questions Um, I kind of just, which I did a lot as a kid, (laughs) which we'll get back to, just pushed it down. Just like, okay, grandma's kooky now, (laughs) haha. Like, was embarrassed to, you know, if she was over, friends came over, I would be, like, embarrassed and kind of hide the fact that she was mentally ill. Um, And then the first time I noticed it in me... Was, oof, this memory feels like present, but my first like panic attack was senior year of high school. I was on the bleachers during a chorus concert and I suddenly couldn't breathe. I thought I was gonna pass out. I've never had any health issues and then I walked off the stage, which feels like the end of the world in your like once a year chorus concert. Um, Went backstage, the aide backstage was like, are you okay, here's a bucket to throw up in. And then a few minutes passed and I realized I wasn't sick, physically. And that freaked me the fuck out. And I didn't know what was wrong. And my parents and everyone were there and they were like, where did she go? Everyone thought I was sick. I remember saying like, my stomach hurt, I thought I was gonna throw up. I'm not sure if I even knew what people didn't talk about mental health or panic attacks or or anxiety. We're not that old, but it feels like during high school, like did people talk at all about that in New Jersey? I mean,
0: <laughs> it's hard for me to remember exactly when conversations started happening, but that's interesting like did you feel nervous? Like do you remember feeling nervous before that happened?
1: No, I think I felt a normal amount of nerves that you feel when you're singing in front of people. Um,
0: but you had sung in front of people before that.
1: Millions of times. <laughs> uh, what do you
0: think it was about that specific experience?
1: I think. Or was it
0: anything? I mean- doesn't have to be i don't
1: think it was about that specific experience i think it was the stress building up over the year of auditioning for musical theater programs and being rejected from all of them Mm. i auditioned for like 16 schools and got rejected from all of them except for the one school that i ended up going to wagner college thanks guys Um, (laughs) So,
0: Oh, so this was in college?
1: No, this was senior year of high school. Oh, senior
0: year. So I was
1: getting back the rejection letters. I think I just, it all like overwhelmed me in the moment. And I don't know. I Mm. still don't really know. It wasn't, I don't think it was, I think I was just a little nervous. And the feeling of not being able to escape is also something that has been recurring. And that's definitely a thing when you're standing on a bleacher in the middle of 50 kids and... Yeah, so that was my first panic attack. (laughs) Fun times.
0: That's. I don't think we've ever talked about that before. Maybe you've mentioned it, but I don't think we've actually like. I don't
1: think I like told the full story. Right? Yeah.
0: (laughs) But that that makes a lot of sense to me. Like the fact that at least I don't know when you went back and you know thought about it. Maybe it was right now. (laughs) All the reasons why you had a panic attack, but.
1: No, I discovered that in therapy, like, years later. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Um, But I think that's a really important point, is that, like, panic attacks when they happen, and I don't want to generalize because everyone experiences it differently, but it's not, it's usually, like, an accumulation of something. There's usually a lot of underlying things or other things just going on in your life that gets you to that point it's not just Mm -hmm. all of a sudden
1: definitely and i'm sure it was not just that year of rejection i'm sure it was my whole life leading up to that moment you know
0: what did you do after uh after that happened did you just forget about it was it what happened
1: that just started my like perpetual state of fear which sounds a little more intense than it was, but it was kind of just always in the back of my mind now that that was a possibility. So anytime I was performing in any mm-hmm. way, I was terrified that it was gonna happen again. It felt very out of my control, which it was, or it, it felt that way, mm-hmm. it truly felt that way. Um, so I started getting like very superstitious about stuff, and having to do uh, rituals before performing or else I would think it would happen again. It kind of just like planted the seed for fear. <laughs> and, and
0: I'm, so- I'm sorry, Nohazi, I guess yeah. we also should have mentioned at the top that you are an actor and performer. Right. And so right, this is all connected and that's how a lot of mental health things show up for you right. in relation to that.
1: Right. Yeah, so that just kind of set it off. I wish in that moment I could've, I mean, I was 17 and did not know better, but if I, I wonder if I could've recognized it and if other people were talking about it and been like, oh, this sounds like that and maybe I can go talk to someone and figure it out, I probably would've been, you know, better off. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, that was the beginning of the journey.
0: So you started having panic attacks. Did you feel like that was the only thing that was happening to you? Were there other identifiers in your life that you felt like you needed to work on in terms of mental health, like even just generalized anxiety, or was it like you'd be okay and then all of a sudden it was just a panic attack and that was it?
1: Yeah, no, 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 definitely generalized anxiety. Um, That was honestly one of my biggest panic attacks to date was the first one. Uh, I'm very good at like pushing shit down. So even when things came up like soon after that, I was able to control it. Uh, And yeah, I think it, it manifested in other ways. Definitely in college, I mean, I also think it's the age, but trying to uh, people please and be friends with everyone and that aspect of social anxiety. and yeah, I just think it planted that fear in me that still lives in me, but is actively being worked on now, which is great. In
0: what In what forms are you? working on it
1: well I'm in therapy Mm -hmm. so that's great I found a really amazing therapist shout out to Linda
0: you brought up a point before that I wanted to dig into a little bit because well the idea that you know you you went through some stuff with like people pleasing and like some social anxiety which I feel like is something that I don't know. It seems like everyone experiences yeah. it. And it's, I feel like, cause I, that's something I experience quite a bit and it goes up and down, but I don't know. I just feel like people don't have good language for it. Like, and it's just, it's something I want to dig into more in general. Um, you know, this like need to be accepted and like, where is the line also between that just being like a normal human need right. and it being like, of course you, a worry, be
1: like, like every yeah, it's human have to be loved, in yeah, a community like that's completely normal. I think when it becomes like your main motive in life, <laughs> or I mean I don't know, but I I feel like when it's constantly the thoughts are constant of how am I going to make this person be my friend? Like, how can I get this person to like me even if it's not true to who I am or Mm -hmm. even if I have to lie? Then I feel like it's not healthy. Right. Do you... What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean...
1: It's also hard to identify that in your own brain, but...
0: Those are definitely... You know, I would I would characterize those as those as like unhealthy thoughts or tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and not and I also want to say like unhealthy.
1: Yourself.
0: <laughs> we might have some disruptions. Sergey
1: <laughs> so wants uh, to be on the back.
0: <laughs> um, I also want to clarify like on un, like unhealthy to Meaning conducive to well being.
1: Right.
0: I don't mean bad or negative or anything. I just mean something right. that's not conducive to well being. So I just want to define that. So, but yeah, I, I mean, it's it's really hard. It's like, at what point, at what point do you qualify that as like a mental health problem, social anxiety? Mm. I mean, I think if you're even calling it social anxiety you're probably, it's probably an issue for you. Right. Like, if you're identifying that in yourself. Uh, but, yeah, like, I mean, you do see some people that just seem so free around others. Like, it's, like, it's, so it's not...
1: It's so complex, though, because I do feel that way. And I did feel that way. I've always been, like, being social has not ever felt hard to me and i didn't feel like making friends was hard to me and i think it it can be both i think that i can be social and also have social anxiety um i feel like you're the same way yeah right yeah or or do you just do a good job of fooling everyone
0: no i i agree i'm the same way and I think it makes you beg the question, like, it makes one beg the question, okay, if, like, sometimes I'm like this and sometimes I'm like this, what, when are, like, this is something I would talk about in therapy is, like, during what situations do I have social anxiety? Mm -hmm. Like, is there a common thread? Right. Right. Um, with the types of people right. or like something, something else that that's I going noticed. on in my life. Yeah.
1: As I was getting older, like looking outside of, cheers, mm. of yourself and being like, oh, well maybe around this group of friends is always when I have social anxiety, maybe I should be spending less time with those people and more time with the people where I feel like I could just be myself and I'll give a shit.
0: Right. I've honestly like never noticed social anxiety with you though.
1: I really think I don't have it anymore.
0: You used to have it a lot more. I, in
1: college, I did. I think I was very much figuring out who I was, so I was kind of trying on a lot of things, and right, and the things that didn't work made me feel weird. <laughs> but I, I haven't felt that way in a long time, which is nice. That's great. Yeah.
0: Do you think that it's just because you... Know yourself more now. You are with the people. You're friends with the people that you... I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I do. I I still don't feel like, and maybe this is a good thing, that I know like 100% who I am. Like I feel like I'm always kind of... Confused slash discovering different little parts of me (laughs) Which has been an ongoing crisis slash growth in my life since I can remember. I think It's kind of nice to acknowledge that because I feel like a lot of people especially in what I do are like Like fuck you like I know who I am. That's all that matters and blah blah blah, but I think you can still be like a really strong cool person and also admit that like I don't know I think I know like I think I know but I'm still like figuring it out you know yeah <laughs> I mean, like probably always will be good. I
0: mean uh, yeah I think that it's weird like to look at people much older and think like are they still like 60, 60 years old like are they still figuring out who they are right. like but I think that the key for that is, like, yeah, you might change. You might still, like, constantly be changing. And you might have different feelings or different interests throughout the course of your life. But, like, accepting who you are in every, any... Every day. Every day yeah. Like... I do, I feel I'm different, like a different person every day in, yeah. in some well, you sense. Like
1: act, you, I feel like actively are, it's more noticeable on you to like other people. I don't know if on me it's as, like, I feel like it's subtle things, but I feel like with you, not to speak for you, but like you kind of wear that on your sleeve and I think it's a really nice quality. It's something that I really like admire.
0: What you mean that I'm like that I'm like figuring out who I am or changing or what?
1: Yeah. And you're not afraid to like figure it out, try shit and just like do it and not really. I mean, I'm sure you do care and I'm sure you care what other people think, but like it doesn't seem to stop you.
0: Yeah. I think that's true. Yeah, for me it is a journey. Like it is constant. I'm I'm I, I do feel like I'm constantly trying to I don't know what the it's hard to think of the right word. I'm yeah. like I feel like I'm playing a little bit. Like That's nice. It feels like play for me. That's
1: nice. <laughs> <laughs> if it's
0: like changing appearance or taking up some new hobby or Starting a podcast. Starting a podcast. <laughs> um, it's like, I don't know. I think maybe maybe part of it is I get bored of things and I just like, I like newness. I like, it might just be a personality thing in that sense. But yeah, I, I like the idea because I, I do think that there is some societal pressure that's like, you need like figure figure yourself out by a certain age, right? Right. It's like right. F- you should know who you are. You should know the things that you like.
1: Right, and it's always like such a big compliment when someone's like, oh, "That girl knows who she is," you know. <laughs> and like, okay, but that also like I've had people say that about me before, and I'm like, "Oh, cool, thank you." But also then I feel like a weird pressure at the same time, which is like, oh, what. Who am I right now? Just, mm. I should stay like this, <laughs> right? Because right. I guess it's working.
0: <laughs> so, you talked a lot about panic attacks and like when you first had the first time you had one. Do you are you still experiencing panic attacks?
1: Just knocked on wood, haha. Ha. Um, no, not full out panic attacks. Still experiencing anxiety for sure. But I, the last time I had like a really full-out panic attack was when I was doing an off-Broadway show. Once again, on stage, the feeling of there's a big audience and there's no way you can leave the stage. And if you do, you'll be fired. You'll never work again. You, you know, all the bad things that won't actually happen, but uh, feels like they will. Uh, So I ended up running off stage, uh, common theme in my panic attacks, and pretending to throw up because I was so embarrassed, like put head in bucket and was like, "Eh, eh," like, pretending and then like took the bucket with me, pretending there was throw up in it. Love that. Um, (laughs) There was no throw up once again, just a full out panic attack was so upset that I'd never be able to get on stage again and like immediately went into intensive therapy and was like, I must get to the bottom of this because it's gonna end my career. And I had to do a show the next day and I was just, it was a nightmare. And every show felt like I was running a marathon and it was a 90 minute comedy parody. It should have been nothing but fun. (laughs) But since I had the panic attack for the next few months, every single show I was so exhausted after, I'd have to go. It truly felt like I ran a marathon because every muscle in my body was tensed and I was just getting through every line, hoping and exhausting myself and praying that it wouldn't happen. So... It was awful.
0: You mentioned, you know, you kind of had to, with that bucket, uh, like pretending you were going to throw up, you had to like seemed like you had you felt this pressure to show that like you were actually sick mm, right yeah. like you were afraid that people would think that you were just you were just anxious
1: right
0: you were afraid that people would i mean i, I don't want to speak for you but no
1: 100 percent. yeah
0: so can you talk a little bit more about that like why you felt the need to uh uh like make people think that you were actually sick or something right Right. more than what it what it was or not more than i shouldn't say more than but different than what it was
1: yeah yeah i mean well first of all i was the youngest in the cast it was my first job out of school everyone else was older seemingly cooler very like comedy driven shows so it was all these like not even serious actor types but more just like comedy people that were just having such a blast on stage and the fucking last thing I wanted to do was be this 22 year old girl being like, I'm having panic attacks. Like, which would have been, looking back on it, like, you know, the people that was, it would have been fine and would have been so much easier for me to be honest about it. But of course, in the moment, it felt like that was not an option. Um, so I kept it all to myself. And held it in to the best of my abilities, and it sucked. It really, really sucked.
0: Do you wish that you were open about it at the time?
1: If it was now, I would 100% be open about it. Yeah, I, I do wish I would have been open about it. I don't see a... Like, it was 2014... And it just felt like a completely different time in regards to these issues and no one was talking about it. So it didn't, it really didn't feel like an option. Like, yes, I wish I would have, I guess, but I don't even know if anyone would have got it in the way they would have today. So I don't know. I don't know.
0: It's so interesting because I think in my mind, like, at least before I met you, I just assumed that all performers just like... Oh, they're able to do that because they don't have anxiety.
1: Oh, so now that people are talking (laughs) about it, the fucking floodgates have opened and, like, every actor is talking about their anxiety and stage fright and all their crazy-ass superstitions they do every night and just these horrible stories of... Not even horrible, just these real-ass stories of how they actually feel, and it's the most amazing thing. So, yeah, no. Like, Some people don't have it, but most actors I know do.
0: That's crazy. Like, I just remember being in class and just in school and, like, having to give a presentation and being, like, so nervous and thinking, like, oh, I guess people who, like, perform on stage just don't feel this because... That's, you know, they're up there and do... (laughs)
1: Well, the scariest thing about it all is that it leaves you in this conundrum of why the fuck am I doing this horrible, hard-ass career path if I'm not even enjoying it now? What's the point? The only reason why we're in this is because we love it so much. We can't imagine doing anything else. We put ourselves through hell to try and do it. And then we get a job and now we're like in pain the whole time. It's, it's very hard because you feel like it's the opposite of what you should be feeling and everything that's been told to you, you know? Um, so it's very confusing, very hard, especially when, when you keep it to yourself and you feel very alone and you feel like no one else has ever felt this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think the fact that people are being so open about it now is so helpful. If I had that in 2014, it would have been a completely different experience.
0: Well, that's exactly, you know, why I wanted to do something like this, is just to give people a voice uh, for other people to hear that they're going through, others are going through similar things. Like, how much has it helped you to hear that other actors and performers are experiencing the same thing that you are?
1: Can't even put into words. So much. So much. I mean it's everything. I was close to quitting. I mean I wouldn't even I wasn't that close, but I was <laughs> <laughs> I was just really struggling with like what's the point? If this is how I'm going to feel every time I perform, I can go sit at a desk and have my heart rate be normal mm-hmm. and not kill myself by age 30 from like putting myself through hell. It felt like I was just on a very... Like, my body just felt like I was beating it up every mm. night. And it was not healthy. Um, so, yeah. No, anytime I see on any sort of description on a podcast, like, talks about anxiety or whatever, like, I will fucking listen to it. Just, <laughs> even now. I'm like... If, now people are much more open with it on social media. Um, Eva Azada who starred in... Miss Saigon in Town is very open about it. Well, Instagram story in the middle of a show having a panic attack with red rashes on her chest. I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing. Um, who did, Caitlin Kinuin, who's like Tony nominated for the prom, just did a podcast talking about how every night before the show, She had massive anxiety. My friend is a two-friggin'-time Tony Award winner. After he won his Tony, he started having panic attacks because the pressure of that, it's just it never ends. So it's like you don't get to a certain point and it goes away. You have to just figure out how to deal with it. Mm.
0: What made you... You mentioned a couple times that you were like, why don't I just stop? But what made you keep going?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know, I've always had this like feeling within me that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, which sounds dumb, but it's true. And that's why even why at seventeen, when I was rejected from every single program, any normal friggin' human would be like, Okay, maybe this is a sign that you shouldn't pursue this. Like if that was my kid, I'd be like, eek, maybe this is a sign that you shouldn't pursue this. Like, that makes sense. But I was like, nah. <laughs> Off I go to Staten Island. Um, yeah, I, just something within me. I mean, you've seen how the rejection is constant. The anxiety is constant. I always am like, this is it. Like, I'm fucking done but I'm never serious because (laughs) it is just something kind of indescribable that I feel like this is my path. And as long as I have that feeling, I'll keep doing it. If one day that feeling is gone, great. (laughs) We'll we'll move on from there.
0: I think... You know, it's specifically interesting. You have a unique situation kind of because your issues with mental health kind of directly combat with like what you feel like your purpose is mm-hmm. in life. Right. Um, which you talked about, you know, the interplay between those two things. But I'm wondering if like you're... Did you, do you ever like seek solace in your... In your drive, do you ever feel like, you know, it, it'll be okay because, like, you know, you have such a passion for it. So no matter how much anxiety you feel, like, I know, you you know that your drive is going to, like, get you through it. Does that Does that resonate at all?
1: I know what you mean, mm-hmm. and that makes sense, but no. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) but I've never actually thought that right um yeah and I do want to mention that in regards to it like panic attacks on stage it's gotten so much better through working on it in therapy Mm -hmm. and figuring out like different exercises to do I also think weirdly my anxiety and like as I grow older has shifted (laughs) into other parts of my life Mm. Um, so it's not just there anymore, which is great, honestly, because I'm able to be present again on stage and, you know, enjoy what I do, which, (laughs) thank God.
0: Do you mind talking a little bit about how your anxiety has shifted
1: to other parts of your life? Yeah. Um... I guess there's not really like a name for it cuz I wouldn't say like social anxiety or like performance anxiety but I I guess just it it's showing up more so in my relationships and with like my family, with you, um with death, with driving. <laughs> it's showing up. It basically it all revolves around like this fear of loss. Um that's kind of been driving it hmm. lately, driving my anxiety car lately. The performance has kind of settled. Um, so now I just like to have these thoughts in which I will see something and make it into something else. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Do you feel like there's a connection between your anxiety around loss and... How it started with, like, performance? Do you, does yeah. that...
1: Yeah, Well, I mean, all my performance anxiety at the root of it was loss. It was being afraid that I'm going to lose this. That I'm going to lose this job. Or I'm going to, that this is my big chance at something and I'm going to fuck it up. I'm going to lose, you know... My voice <laughs> or whatever it is whatever it was in that circumstance so now it's kind of just shifted to like i'm gonna lose my life <laughs> or like my dad's gonna lose his life or i'm gonna lose control of this car on the highway and kill me and my partner or i'm gonna lose my partner so yeah i do think it's connected i do think it's that same like underlying fear that's kind of just shifted in a way mm which is interesting
0: yeah it made me think about like how your your kind of career and sense of self are so intertwined
1: yeah right that
0: sucks so <laughs> like experiencing loss whether it's through it like you know be, through rejection or whatever it is it's like how can you how is it even possible to s- i mean i guess you figure it out but it seems incredibly difficult to separate that from your sense of self right when that's as you stated like that was your drive like that's you know that you're meant to do that
1: right and i had like you definitely of course need a thick skin if you want to like be in this business and i have gotten really good with rejection but it's not it's definitely not like a straight up path because there are certain jobs like as you know that will bring me right back down to like being extremely disappointed extremely invested and will just like hit me and then there are a hundred jobs that I don't care that I will audition for and forget about and if it happens it happens if it doesn't I never think about it again. That's why, like, you ask me all the time, like, oh, how did that go? Or you used to. How did that go? Which is a nice, normal question. And I'd be like, oh, what? And the audition was, like, four hours ago. I was like, oh, I don't even I don't even know what you're talking about. Because I've truly trained my brain to fucking throw it out immediately, which is a great coping mechanism. But there are certain jobs that if I... If, It's something I feel extra connected to or whatever it may be that I will still tie my sense of worth to and it sucks. But most of the time, it's okay.
0: Do you have certain coping mechanisms or strategies to deal with any of your mental health issues or anxiety?
1: Yeah. Meditation, which I need to get back on the train... Uh, that, when I was having panic attacks on stage, is what I started doing. I went to this intensive and it completely, I don't want to say cured, (laughs) but it changed everything, um, and helped me so much. And it is confusing to me why I can't commit to it now when I know for a fact it helps me so much. Uh, (laughs) yeah, so that... Um, I think also just going to a therapist, even when I feel like I don't need it or want to, just forcing myself to go and keep it consistent. Um, I think I've just become a lot better at talking about my feelings and talking about things that might not make sense to you, but just like that I have to say, Um, because as I mentioned before, I'm very automatic at shoving stuff down so I think just as much as the more I don't do that the better I feel
0: what do you think it is about meditation that helps you
1: I have constant 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 I and I think everyone has this but maybe not as much as I do just like my brain is on thoughts thousands. <laughs> Words. <laughs> what? Words. Words <laughs> <laughs> happening all at once. <laughs> so it's just, I mean, a lot of the time when I meditate, it, it's not like I can turn my brain off. Like that's such a crazy thing to aspire to. I think that's a lot, a big reason why people think they can't meditate, but it's not about that. It's just about sitting there no matter how uncomfortable it is and forcing yourself to sit there. And then eventually once you're doing it for weeks or months, then it gets to a more peaceful place. But I think just forcing myself to be present with those thoughts calms them down because my automatic mechanism is to not hear the thoughts is to distract myself. To immediately go on my phone or talk to someone or if I'm in a if I'm alone I'll FaceTime my sister or text a group chat just forcing myself to actually be with the thoughts is i think what gets them to go away mm. do you feel that way about meditation i think you're better at it than i
0: am i mean who knows i i love meditation i for me, it feels like meditation has a really lasting effect. And when I meditate, it like reminds me to have that state of mind mm. for the rest of my day. So right. that's why meditation is so helpful. For, helpful for me is because every time I meditate, it's like a reminder.
1: Right.
0: So I remember that when I have these intrusive or anxious thoughts... I just meditated in the morning. I just, you know, intentionally meditated in the morning. So when a new thought comes in later in the day that is scary or anxious or depressing, I I feel more equipped right. um, to, to deal with it, yeah. to not react to it. Uh, but I think that's really interesting. Like for you, it's like, the meditating itself is when you deal with all the thoughts.
1: Hmm.
0: So yeah. it's interesting how pe- how different people use that as a tool because I think, you know, obviously meditation has become so popular now and right. for good reason.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but uh, I-, I feel like, yeah, people don't really talk about like how they use it and why they use it and like the specific mechanism that's happening.
1: Right. That's true. Um,
0: and I think it's uh, specifically for mental health, it's it's such a powerful, powerful tool because it's so easy to distract ourselves. I mean, not saying anything new here, but <laughs> it's just like it's, it's ridiculous how easy it is to distract. Like whenever we don't want to think about something like... Any show we want, mm-hmm. social media, whatever it is, like. And again, I'm not saying anything groundbreaking, but no, it no. is it is worth uh, it's it bears repeating because that is, you know, such a big part of mental health and is dealing with thoughts, right? And you're not dealing with them if you're distracting yourself.
1: Right.
0: They're they're not going anywhere. hmm
1: I mean, yeah. People turn to, you know, social media or alcohol or drugs or whatever it is just to like not deal with what's going on.
0: And distraction is in, is important, you know. I don't want to say it's not important. But, yeah. Um, but just not. It's knowing.
1: All the time. I mean, yes. Which is
0: <laughs> most of our, most of us, it's our current state. Mm hmm. Cool. Well, that was a really great conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this and being my first guest.
1: Of course.
0: Do you have any final thoughts or advice that you would give?
1: Hmm. I mean, I'm just thinking about like distracting myself now, and this is not advice. It's advice for myself. I just need That's okay. to... I think just now in that like living through this traumatic event of the pandemic it's just made me even more so zoning out on my phone to a degree that's probably too much and so this is advice to myself stop <laughs> <laughs> but no I mean I think a lot of people are doing that right now and I think it's normal to have that instinct and want to do that but something to think about,
0: yeah, I, I think that's a really a really good point. It's like, let's think about why are we doing this more? You know, like why are we on our phones more right now? And it might be like there's a bunch of obvious reasons, of course, yeah. but I think for each person, that's worth asking themselves and delving into a little bit if mm-hmm. that's the case for them.
1: Right. Thanks,
0: Adam. My pleasure. (laughs) Um, Well, I hope you all enjoyed the first episode of Destigmatized. Working title.
1: Is it destigmatized or destigmatized?
0: I don't know. Destigmatize. Destigmatized? We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um, But hopefully many more to come. Thanks for listening.